Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Grant. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Uh, give us a call, 208-991-4783, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, uh, I listen to a lot of old-time radio, even beyond detective shows. And sometimes I just find something that's so uh, interesting uh, that I just have to share. In this case, it was a very amusing uh, piece with uh, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, we are now proceeding down Whitehall. In the far distance is Buckingham Palace. On your right is the Admiralty Arch. And on your left is the famous Scotland Yard you've all read about. Where's the yard? I don't see any yard. Dear, don't ask so many questions. Why, they put a building up on it now, sir. It used to be right there where I'm pointing. And many's the time I've seen Mr. Sherlock Holmes walk across that very yard. But wasn't he a fictitious character? He might have been to you, ma'am, but he was very real to me. The clip we played came from Abroad with the Lockhart, which is one of the very earliest uh, radio series I found. It was first, uh, that particular episode was first broadcast on November the 10th of 1930. Uh, starred Jean and Kathleen uh, Lockhart as uh, a couple uh, heading on vacation to Europe at the wife's insistence, tired of her husband always taking a fishing trip each year. And uh, it's a very uh, charming series. And in this scene, they were heading on a tour bus, taking a look at the sites in and about London. It's very interesting to have uh, this uh uh, actor, uh, identify, you know, uh, yeah, Sherlock Holmes is real. I actually read a survey that showed that 58% of Britons, uh, believe that, uh, Sherlock Holmes is real. Uh, so, uh, the sentiment, uh, definitely lives on. All right. Well, we have a brand new series of Sherlock Holmes episodes coming up. Same sponsor, same announcer. Uh, same Sherlock Holmes, but uh, a few changes. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we do get started, I do want to encourage you, if you've not already, to pick up a copy of uh, my ebook. All I needed to know, I learned from Columbo. It's a, it's a nice uh, light read. We take a look at uh, 12 uh, lessons from the Life and Career of Seven Great Detectives of Fiction, including Sherlock Holmes, Nero Wolfe, Monk, and Columbo. And uh, it's uh, it's uh, just a very fun read if you're a fan of mysteries. And uh, it is available for $1.99 as an e-book uh, for, uh, uh, for your Nook for Barnes & Noble. Uh, we, we actually just sold a couple copies there last week, as well as the Kindle. 
uh, and uh, Sony Reader, Kobo Reader. Still not yet in the Apple Store, but you can also uh, purchase it off of Smashwords.com. Well, uh, there were quite, there were quite a few changes after the uh, nineteen forty seven forty eight season. One thing I came across from audio-classics.com is they actually uh, compiled Hooper ratings uh, for each uh, season of Sherlock Holmes starting in uh, 1939. They had an older rating I've not heard of, the CAB rating. But the Hooper rating was very big in a radio uh, in terms of popularity. And as you might imagine, uh, they really hit their stride in the Hooper rating with uh, Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. Uh, in the, the eighth season, they had a 14.6 Hooper. Uh, but most, but most of the, in every one of the five seasons, they were pretty close to or around a 10. The last of the Rathbone Bruce seasons, uh, they ended up at a 10.9. So no wonder uh, they wanted to uh, resign uh, Rathbone and Bruce, but of course, uh, you know Tom Conway took over, and the Hooper rating dropped to eight point five. Well, in the first uh, season of uh, J- John Stanley and Alfred Shirley in the roles of Holmes and Watson, the Hooper number plummeted from eight point five to five point three. So it was definitely time for some changes. Alfred Shirley was out as Watson, replaced by Ian Martin, a veteran actor of a lot of radio productions, particularly those set in New York City, uh, such as some of the later Cavalcade of Americas. And uh, the writing changed as well. Edith Miser, who had been instrumental in bringing Holmes to the uh, uh, United States and uh, to some of the early radio adaptation was replaced by the tag team of Howard Merrill and Max Elric. And we'll have a little bit on Mr. Merrill after the programming. You'll also notice a couple of different uh, changes to the field of the show. So I hope you uh, enjoy it. Uh, but now we've gone on quite a bit, so we're going to get into today's episode. This is from September 12th of 1948. This is called... The Case of the Unwelcomed Ambassador. The makers of Clippercraft Clothes for Men and 1,203 leading retail stores from coast to coast presents Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's immortal character, the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes, starring John Stanley. This week's adventure, The Case of the Unwelcome Ambassador. Really, my dear Watson, you're being most discourteous. We have a guest waiting outside. Fetch him. But Holmes... Go on, open the door, bring him in. There's hardly any reason for such haste. He can well afford to wait. It happens that our guest is a And so once again we visit Dr. John Watson, who is at work on his memoirs. 
Ah, Mr. Harris. Well, well. Come in, sir. Come in. Thank you. How's your writing coming along, Dr. Watson? Oh, splendidly, splendidly. Sit down, my boy. Thank you very much. Uh, Which of the famous Sherlock Holmes cases are you working on now? Well, it's the case of the unwelcome ambassador. A very colorful affair involving a most undiplomatic murder. Mm, I'm very anxious to hear about it, Dr. Watson. (laughs) And so you shall, so you shall. But uh, I'm very anxious to hear from you first, Mr. Harris. The fall weather is upon us, and you must make some suggestions for my fall wardrobe. Why, certainly. Many millions of America's best-dressed men have discovered Clippercraft, acknowledged to be the finest clothing value in America. Here's why. By a voluntary concentration of their enormous buying power, 1,203 of this country's finest independent stores from coast to coast Provide Clippercraft's great tailoring plants with the advantages of steady year-round operation, and pass along to you the savings that result from lowered manufacturing and distribution costs. That's why you're certain of getting more for your money in distinctive styling and skillful tailoring in fabrics of lasting good looks. You'll find an outstanding selection of smart new fall clothes by Clippercraft at the leading store in your community, at the store you can trust. Really expensive-looking Clippercraft suits. At only forty-seven fifty, with some styles at only forty dollars. Also, Clippercraft sport jackets at only twenty-six fifty, and Clippercraft top coats at only forty dollars and forty-five dollars. Some with removable zip-in linings at only forty-seven fifty and fifty-two fifty. Yes, compare Clippercraft with clothes selling for many dollars more. <laughs> And now, Dr. Watson, who was the unwelcome ambassador? This story, Mr. Harris, goes back to the days before my marriage, when Holmes and I shared 221B Baker Street together. We were returning from a Sarasata recital at St. James Hall. We were approaching our lodging in a hansom. It was rather late in the evening. This is 221B, driver. Driver, I say this is 221B. Holmes, he's passing it. He isn't stopping. Obviously. But but, but how can you just just sit there and do nothing whatsoever? Driver, hello up there. Driver, stop at once. At once, I say. Sorry, Governor. Either he's kidnapping us or he's insane. Both fascinating prospects, Watson, so you suppose you regain your composure. I hope you don't mind, Governor. I was told to... Uh, let me see now. Uh, wait, I'll give you this. Uh, what the devil? Now, careful, Governor. Taint a salt biscuit that's wrapped in that oil skin. Open her up, why don't you? Why, let me see. It... Great Scott. It's... It's a precious stone, a ruby. Yes, fabulously valuable, my dear Watson. I should say from casual examination that it's the very rarest type. A pigeon's blood ruby, found only in the Mogok stone tract of Upper Burma. Of course, to be certain, one would require instruments. Who gave this to you, driver? Oh, please, Governor, you'll only confuse me. Now, let me see now. I'm to say the ruby's for you, Mr. Holmes. It's by way of an invitation to stay in me camp and allow me to drive you to the docks, where you're to board the good ship Java Bell. Indeed, well, I'd have none of it. Oh, if you'll allow me to finish, Governor. I'm to say your safety aboard the Java Bell is guaranteed. You're just invited for a bit of a chat. Oh. And uh, who extends this curious invitation? That, Governor, I'm not to say. It's a trap, Holmes. I'm for commanding an about-face. Not at all. Either our host is a gentleman of fantastic beans whose plight is so desperate that he's been obliged to employ the ruby to attract us to his ship, or else 
He's a remarkably successful criminal, and the ruby is a mere trinket in his bag of loot. I anticipate making his acquaintance with relish. Faster, driver. We'll play your master's game. Gentlemen, he's in the cabin. What's all lit up on the main deck? You see it? Thank you, driver. Shall we go aboard, Watson? I say, it's sinister-looking vessel, don't you think? There's all the aspects of a pirate ship. Mm. This would be our host's cabin. Come. Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson, you've accepted my invitation. I'm delighted. Be seated, won't you? Thank you. Huh? What's that? I said thank you. Now, sir, beyond the fact that you've spent considerable time in the tropics, that you've been in London for six days, and that you're an exporter of spices, what information do you wish to impart? How on earth do you know all that? The shipping page of the Globe listed the Java Bell as arriving six days ago, if I recall correctly, out of Macau, the Portuguese East Indies. As for your cargo, the odor of cinnamon aboard is inescapable. And it's clear that you've been in the tropics for some time because you suffer from a slight defect in your hearing, symptomatic of prolonged use of quinine. You're quite right, Mr. Holmes. I do come from Macau. It is on the South China Sea, separated from China proper by an ancient wall. There you may see maharajas of India and jeweled countesses of France mingling in its twisted streets with riffraff and scum from a hundred ports. It is the most lawless city on earth. It's a legend. I imagine your problem concerns Macau? It does, sir. My problem concerns the newly arrived ambassador to England from Macau, Senor Rui. Well, uh, what of him, Mr... Uh... Mr. Edwards, Watson. The Globe was also conscientious enough to list the owner of the Java Bell. Mr. Holmes, the ambassador is about to be murdered. What? Well, how do you know? There is a delicate political situation in Macau, Dr. Watson. Fanatic extremists would benefit greatly if the ambassador were to die. I have heard rumors that they have dispatched emissaries here to London to carry out the unpleasant task. And you've sent for me to prevent the crime? Exactly. If the ambassador should die, there would be an upheaval in the Indies. I should lose control of my export business. An immeasurable loss. You may consider that ruby a gesture on my part, Holmes. Keep it with my compliments. And besides, you may name your own fee. I have but one proviso. Pray continue. Our understanding must be absolutely confidential. That's why I had you brought here. I did not want to be seen entering your flat. It would add to the unfortunate rumors already circulating in London about the ambassador. Are you personally acquainted with him? Oh, we've met. Social occasions, tea in Hong Kong, military ball in Ceylon, that sort of thing. What is his address? To Lancaster Gate. Uh, does the ambassador know of the threat to his life? Certainly, but he refuses a bodyguard. A deeply ingrained sense of oriental fatalism. When did you last see him? Oh, it's been months. Three at least. Uh, I take it you'll accept the case, Holmes? Definitely. Then, if and when you discover the would-be killer, please turn him over to Scotland Yard before revealing his identity to me. By Jove, that's a strange request. Dr. Watson, 
I feel the man who would deprive me of my industrial empire should suffer. But I want him to suffer legally. If he were to fall into my hands personally, I... Well, I am a collector of strange oriental objects. Some of them include torture devices beyond Western man's imagination. I could not resist using them. Now, my dear Watson, I shall have a pipe and consider. Oh, dear visitors at this hour. Welcome, visitors, Watson. If they arrive at this late hour, it must be on an intriguing mission. Oh, remind me to enter Mr. Edwards in my index. Edwards. I don't care for that man, Holmes. The ship bespeaks the man, you know, and the Java Bell is a saucy, wicked lady of the sea. Come in. Mr. Holmes. Let me tell him, Philip. Mr. Easy, Holmes. my dear girl, easy. Suppose we begin with a proper introduction. Yes, but we're desperate. We can't wait. This I... is my friend and colleague, Dr. Watson. How do you do? Mr. Holmes, My dear not... young lady, if you'll remove your cape, the mud on it's dripping to the floor, and Mrs. Hudson, our housekeeper, will be furious in the morning. We mustn't lose a second. Your please. coat, sir, it's in the same deplorable condition as the young lady's. Oh, very well. I'm Philip Randall. This is Edith Norton. I'm secretary to Ambassador Ruith from Macau. Uh-huh. Edith and I were out for the evening. Where? The theater. Then we decided to walk to her place through Regent's Park. We were by the lake. And we saw a body floating in the lake. It was horrible. I recognized the face of the corpse. It was the ambassador. I refused to send for the police. Philip's afraid the ambassador's death will create international complications. He didn't think we could persuade Scotland Yard to keep the awful news a secret. The body was floating close to the edge of the lake. I could reach it. We pulled it on shore. We hailed a cab. Philip bribed the cabbie to keep his mouth shut. We managed to place the dead body in the hansom. Uh, where is the corpse now? Propped up in the cab, right outside this door. Good heavens. How very crude. Uh, fetch him inside. It's rather chilly tonight, and we have a nice warm fire here. Watson, give young Randall a hand. Bring the late ambassador in here, where I may have a look at him. Come along, Randall. We too can manage. But hurry, you can't just leave him there. I must apologize for my disheveled appearance, Mr. Holmes. May I remove my hat and straighten my hair? Certainly. Did you know the late ambassador, Miss Norton? Yes, I... I'd been out with him a few times. Was he fond of you? Yes. Terribly? Mm, very. Propose? Oh, no. Oh, you have a piece of confetti in your hair. Here. That's it. And a speck of mud on your neck. That's better. How did you regard the ambassador... Why, I... I adored one. He was a darling. Does young Randall stand a profit by his employer's death? Well, I... I don't want to place Philip in a difficult position, but... There was talk that the ambassador was somehow preventing Philip from receiving a, a vital diplomatic post. Mm. According to the social columns, Miss Norton, which I read solely to remain au courant, and with extreme distaste, the late ambassador was not your sole darling... Don't resent that, Mr. Holmes. If a girl cannot be popular without having Hello. people... Here's the body. Easy, Randall. Yes, sir. Place the ambassador in my armchair. It's most comfortable. Ah, that's it. Handsome. Wasn't he? Uh, really, Holmes, your macabre sense of humor... Yes. Is... Bullet wound in his back. 
He was shot, then pushed into the lake. Watson, the bullet wound of entrance is at the sixth left intercostal space. Path of the bullet, oblique, downward. Mr. Holmes, what shall we do? Since it's extremely late, Miss Norton, if I were you and I'd ask my escort to see me home. But the, the body, we, we... Our lodging is not what I would term extravagantly commodious. But I believe we can accommodate the cadaver as a guest, temporarily. Shall we come tomorrow? How will we know what... You we... must be exhausted, Miss Norton. Good night. Good night, Mr. Randall. Mr. Holmes, if you don't, let us Good know Good night. You... Well, I must say you might have handled the two youngsters with less effrontery, Holmes. We haven't time for the amenities. Uh, Randall, I... Beg your pardon, I... Did you forget something? No. Edith's gone downstairs. I just told back because I... Well, I have a suggestion. It's about a man named Jack Singh. And why are you telling us about him? Well, he knew the ambassador quite well. He's an incredible chap, a mixture of Chinese, Malay, British. He spent a good deal of time in Macau at the gambling tables. Where is this Singh? In Limehouse. He operates a gambling spot there. There was talk of a wager he'd made on the mathematical chances of the ambassador being assassinated. You, you might look into it, Mr. Holmes. Well, I must run. Good night. Hmm. Now, why would young Randall want to keep Miss Norton from hearing that? You're wasting time in idle speculation, Watson. Well, perhaps. Holmes, why are you putting on your coat? Because we're off to Limehouse, Watson. I must meet this gentleman who equates mathematics with death. Well, Dr. Watson, Jack Singh sounds like a very intriguing suspect. There should be a wealth of clues in visiting him in Limehouse. <laughs> should there, Mr. Harris? Well, I may be wrong about that. Of course, I'm always right about another subject, though, Doctor. Ah, and from that sparkle in your eye, Mr. Harris, I deduce that you're about to discuss your favorite subject. And a favorite of mine, too. Clippercraft clothes. That's right, Dr. Watson. There's no mystery about this country's most sensational clothing value. You see, there's a great big American idea behind Clippercraft. The famous Clippercraft plan. Now, this plan gives you the benefit of group purchasing because it concentrates the vast buying power of 1,203 of this country's leading stores from coast to coast. It gives you the opportunity of purchasing truly fine Clippercraft clothes at your local independent store in which you enjoy really friendly, courteous service. You know how much that means when you're buying clothes. And Clippercraft clothes are correctly cut and tailored of superb long-wearing materials. And the savings. Fine Clippercraft suits cost only $47.50 with selections at $40, too. Clippercraft top coats cost only $40 and $45. Featured are several models with removable zip in linings at only $47.50 and $52.50. And Clippercraft sport jackets are only $26.50. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suits, top coats, and sport jackets. In Manhattan, Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th. John Wanamaker Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street. In Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue. <laughs> Now, shall we return to our story, Mr. Harris? Oh, by all means, Dr. Watson. Very well, then. Holmes and I dashed into a hansom and soon reached Limehouse. 
The streets were too crowded for a horse and carriage, so we were obliged to go the last portion of the way to Jack Singh's gambling establishment on foot. I say, Holmes, what sort of celebration is this? Limehouse is celebrating the Chinese New Year, Watson. This confetti gets all over one's clothes. The blasted noise is deafening. We shall escape it in a moment. Ha, ah, there's the building that houses Jack Singh's gambling establishment. Yes, so it is. And Lord knows what will become of us in there. It's probably swarming with criminals. And murderers. <laughs> I regret the necessity of disturbing your game, Mr. Singh. Not at all, Mr. Holmes. I am delighted that you have brought the news of the ambassador's death. It is magnificent news. Well, I must confess, Mr. Singh, you have a curious attitude. Not even a, a trace of regret. Dr. Watson, my interest in the ambassador was purely professional. What was the nature of the wager you made regarding his death? I heard rumors that fanatics were planning to kill him. So I took a chance. I have wagered on the turn of a card. Why should I not wager on a twist of fate? I visited Lloyd's. Oh, yes, and you purchased assassination insurance, I venture to say. Exactly. What on earth is assassination insurance? The policy of Lloyd's, my dear Watson. The original policy was issued on the life of Napoleon Bonaparte. Lloyd's underwrites the sudden death of any illustrious personage as a protection to businessmen who might suffer substantial losses. I pay the premium on the life of the ambassador. Now he is dead. I have won another wager. I have again guessed the correct number on the wheel. <laughs> From your highly pleased demeanor, Mr. Singh, I should say you've won a gigantic sum. I have. I am quite frank about it. Mr. Singh, when did you last see the ambassador? Ten days ago. Thank you. I have no further questions. Good night, gentlemen. You may use that side door going out. Good Goodbye, Mr. Singh. Singh. Where to now, Holmes? To the ambassador's residence. But young Randall said the place is deserted. There won't be a soul there. Precisely why we shall pay to visit, Watson. Randall told you no one's at home here at the Ambassador's Homes. Then we're obliged to enter the Ambassador's Home in unorthodox fashion, Watson. <laughs> and how might that be? The window. These absurd English window fasteners won't delay us. This way. Shall we try this window? Hmm, superb. Opens in a jiffy. Up she goes. After me, Watson. Leap over the sill. So. I don't. There we are. I wish to see the ambassador's study first. This way. Dip no, Watson, dip no. Sorry. This is the study. Here is the ambassador's desk. 
his papers. Like that small lamp, Watson's. Wait a minute, Holmes. Shh. I hear someone. Uh huh. The late diplomat has another visitor at the front door. Who could it be? Step behind this clothes horse with me. Good. I. I can see the front door. Someone stepped in. Tall, thin chap. He's lighting a can. Wait a minute. He's holding the candle toward his face. Why, it's young Randall. Quiet, Watson. I have already examined those papers, Randall. You'll find them rather dull. Holmes, shall I send for the police, Holmes? No, no. Don't do that. Please. Really, I... I haven't done a thing. I just came back to... You were the ambassador's secretary. Therefore, you made use of your pass key to return and have a look at his private papers. Papers he undoubtedly never allowed you to see. Yes, I I was hoping to find out who killed him on my Confounded own Confounded I... man, it appears to me as though you killed him. But I didn't, I tell you. Why don't you ask Edwards who killed him? Oh, no, you can't avoid suspicion by accusing someone else, But I told you all I know. Edith Norton and I found the body in Regent's Park Lake. I had not seen the ambassador for a week. He had taken a week to relax. Edith told me that she had not seen him in a few days herself. A few days? Yes. Are you quite certain Miss Norton stated she had not seen the ambassador for a few days? Quite. Two days, she said. Watson, have you your army revolver? Yes. You'll have need of it. Oh, where are we off to now? Back to Limehouse. The pieces of the puzzle fit together neatly. But we must hurry. If we're too late, Jack Singh will have killed Edith Norton. hope by now the Chinese would have finished celebrating their new year. You think we'll get through this crowd in time, Holmes? We must, Watson. That poor girl will be dead and we should be to blame. This corner. It's not far now. Got a barber ready? Yes, ready, Holmes. I'd, I'd keep up with you, but the old wound, you know, my, my leg. This is the side entrance. Someone is purposely not answering. Knock again, Holmes. Open! Open, I say! Open or we shall shoot the lock off! Holmes! Yes, Mr. Singh? Good evening, Miss Norton. Oh, Mr. Holmes, I, I'm Mr. so Singh, glad to I'm see obliged you. to detain you with this revolver until we fetch the police to charge you with the murder of the ambassador. Oh, not quite, Watson. Actually, the ambassador was killed... By you, Miss Norton. Why, well, that's Quiet, preposterous. Go on, Holmes. When you first arrived at Baker Street, Miss Norton, there was almost imperceptible bit of confetti in your hair. What of it? Exactly. The question occurred to me, of course. I had the answer when I first visited Limehouse tonight. The Chinese have filled the air with confetti. You remarked about it, Watson. Therefore, I knew Miss Norton must have been in Limehouse earlier this evening, before her engagement with young Randall, since he said they'd only attended the theatre. And so you knew, Holmes, that she was in this with Mr. Singh. That doesn't prove that I killed the ambassador. Patience, dear girl. Everyone who could have done away with the ambassador said they hadn't seen him in at least a week. In one case, not for three months. But you claim to have seen him just two days ago, Miss Norton. I, I did. That's not the truth. It's utterly impossible for you to have seen the ambassador alive in the past 48 hours. I believe Dr. Watson will support the authenticity of my medical information in this instance... The ambassador's body was found floating in Regent's Park Lake. 
and it requires a minimum of five days in the water for a human body to become sufficiently buoyant to float. <laughs> you have a home. We will collect a great deal from Lloyd's, Mr. Holmes. If you would forget this, you might... Ah, wait. yes. And you, Mr. C. You purchased a weighty premium guaranteeing the ambassador's life. But you wanted to wager to be a certainty. You could not commit the crime yourself. You required the services of someone familiar with the ambassador's habits here in London. Someone who knew him intimately, who would be with him alone and often. So you made arrangements with Miss Norton, a ruthlessly ambitious young lady, who's striven desperately to marry into wealth. Why, of all the nuts? I hurried here because I realized that now that the money is forthcoming, Mr. Singh might decide to do away with you, dear girl. Why should he share it now the work is done? Keep your hand out of that drawer, Mr. Singh. Don't reach for your gun. Jack! Oh. Jack! Oh. Worthy marksmanship, Watson. Merely a shoulder wound, Mr. Singh. Try not to look as though you'd been mortally wounded. You too, Miss Norton, that expression of despair is most unbecoming. I suggest you save your melodramatic performances. Scotland Yard will provide the perfect stage for them soon enough. With a well-constructed gallows. Oh, I, I did forget. A happy new year, Mr. Singh. A happy new year, Miss Norton. Dr. Watson, the case of the unwelcome ambassador was very intriguing. Now, may we have advance information about next week's adventure? Mr. Harris, I've called it the Black Guardsman of Braddock Castle. I can see him now, standing on the north tower of the castle, black against the red sun, an axe on his shoulder, looking down and laughing at his work. For, for what work? Murder, Mr. Harris. Murder. Well, we shall certainly be knocking at the door of your study next week, Dr. Watson, to see the black guardsman at work. The makers of Clippercraft clothes and 1,203 leading stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective... Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and the program is produced and directed by Basil Lockrin. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by Ian Martin. This week's story was written by Howard Merrill, special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in The Black Guardsman of Braddock Castle.
Harris speaking for Clipperclad Clothes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. In a moment, you'll hear Behind the Front Page with Gabriel Heater. Eastern Airlines now ready for departure. Dependable airliners, dependable pilots. That's double dependability. Eastern Airlines dependability. Fly Eastern, tried and proven over hundreds of millions of passenger miles. The present temperature, 81 degrees. The Bamberger Broadcasting Service, this is WOR, New York. Welcome back. Well, uh, I have to appreciate Holmes uh, uh, rushing to save uh, the mur- uh, the murderers to make sure that uh, uh, that uh, the government gets to you know go through the whole process of the execution. Uh, but seriously, I-, I like this episode a lot better than uh, some of the uh, episodes from last season. I thought this was a pretty well written story. Uh, the episode, uh, was, at the end, it mentioned Howard Merrill as the writer. Uh, and Merrill was a bit of a prodigy. Uh, and, uh, he made it on Ripley's Believe It or Not, according to the New York Times, his obituary from 2002. Uh, he appeared in 58 silent films before he was 11 and made 487 radio broadcasts on 38 shows before he was 14. Uh, and he just had a very rich writing career. Uh, he did not have, uh, a, uh, ton of mystery writing credits, uh, in the, the latter part of his life. Uh, but in the 1940s, he was actually pretty big on, uh, doing some, uh, mysteries. Uh, he wrote for, uh, actually, uh, interestingly enough, Leonidas Witherall. Uh, which is a series that we'll be hearing in about uh, six weeks uh, on Tuesdays after Pete Kelly's Blues is over. And uh, he also wrote for the original Abbott Mysteries, not the Adventures of the Abbots we played from 1955, uh, but the 1940s series, which uh, is for all intents and purposes believed to be lost to the ages. So uh, he did... Uh, uh, when he uh, came to the era of television, he wrote for uh, You Are There, one of the most interesting concept shows. Uh, we have the radio version of it, um, uh, where they do news programs uh, from history, as if, say, CBS News were reporting, say, at the signing of the Declaration of Independence. He wrote for that series. Uh, he also wrote for a lot of comedies. Uh, the Odd Couple, Dick Van Dyke Show, Gilligan's Island. So, a uh, very uh, astute uh, producer and uh, creator, and uh, I think we will be in good hands uh, with the stories he's going to provide us. All right, well, we do uh, want to get to some listener comments real quick. A. Pauly uh, writes in, I'll listen to podcasts while I'm working. Of all the old-time radio podcasts, OTR Detectives is my favorite, and Sherlock Holmes my favorite detective. I enjoy listening to the tidbits of information at the end of the show. Well, thanks so much. Uh, I appreciate you listening out there. Um, one final note, for particularly for Sherlock Holmes fans, I think you'll be pleased with that. Uh, for this month's uh, video theater for the month of June, we're going to be bringing you another uh, episode of the uh, Ronald Howard Sherlock Holmes series. It'll be the case of the Pennsylvania gun, 
And uh, it'll be the first of three episodes of this classic series we'll be bringing you this summer. So um, I think that uh, there's plenty to be excited about, and I hope you will uh, enjoy that. Uh, Join us back here tomorrow for yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And then be with us again next Thursday for another episode of Sherlock Holmes. In the meanwhile, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Give us a call, 208-991-4783. And uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.